0: Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team, so very much for leading us into the presence of the Lord. We have some room now, Sister Angel, if y'all wanna, with the kids gone, if y'all want to just squeeze over and um, we're working on getting a bigger church. Amen. Amen. We're working that way, aren't we? Amen. Uh, they told me, sat it last night, they said, why don't you hurry up and get that new church built? Amen. So I told them, we was trying. And uh, we just thank the Lord, amen, for what he's doing and what he has done. Amen. Um, as you're turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, um, if you get there, and then just mark in your Bible. I want you to turn to First Corinthians chapter nine. Also, First um, Corinthians chapter nine. Also, um, many many great things are going on, and 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 I know I'm I'm thankful um, for the opportunities that the Lord has given us. Um, you saw the TV was had a lot of announcements. Thank you, Sister Ariana, for your help with that. Our camp meeting is right around the corner. We'll be here before we know it. And uh, really, really look forward to that meeting of the mantle. The Lord told me that there would be mantles passed to the next generation um, in this camp meeting and has really dealt really strongly with me. And I'm just very, very thankful Uh, the Lord really told me to get fathers of the faith um, to minister last year the Lord really dealt with me about having young ministers and this year some of those same ministers will be ministering but um, this year one brother that we've never had to minister here his son has but uh, Pastor Duke Downs from Chino California will be preaching if you've never been a part of his ministry um, I you're missing a lot I'm telling you he is he is just a voice amen and has been for many many years and um, He was actually one of the men that laid hands on me when I received the baptism um, at Central Pentecostal Ministry several years ago, and my life was forever changed. So to have Pastor Duke come and minister here, I know it's going to be very rewarding, and um, we're just so thankful um, to have him come. And uh, Brother Melvin Sanchez will also be ministering with us, and another friend of ours, uh, I know that Brother Chris has heard him, He's a pastor in Arkansas, his name is Mike Chisholm, and um, he is a phenomenal brother, so just greatly, really, really excited about all that the Lord is doing, Um, so that'll be right around the corner, amen. Also on December the 23rd, did you make mention of that, Brother David, or Christmas right after service, um, following the service, uh, please contact Sister Leah Bryan about bringing food. I know you've probably seen these, but just want to remind you um, of the dates coming up, and And um, we're just so thankful um, for all the opportunity that the Lord has given us. We know that many may be out and, you know, uh, that close to Christmas, but we would love to have you come, and um, we'll have fellowship right after service. Amen. Thank all of y'all that cooked this week and served and helped with the function of the kids this week. It was just phenomenal. Amen. It was just a phenomenal weekend. I really don't think it could have went any better. I I truly don't. I know that people were ministered to. I'll say this, if for nothing else, my family was ministered to. Amen. My family was ministered to. My mom was able to come last night, and my brother, and my aunt, and uh, my uncle, and so I I just know that they needed it, and so I'm just so thankful um, for all that the Lord has used you all in to do. Amen. Um, We're going to continue on this morning um, with our series and our messages with just the things that God has been speaking to me and I was sharing the other day with the men in John Wayne's house and um, really everything that I'm giving to you is for me. Um, I, I'm not just preaching, I'm telling y'all these are the things that, that God has given to me and dealing with me and um, I know that God wants to see us finish strong um, but I know before we can finish strong we have to start right. Um, you know, you can start wrong and end up wrong. Amen. You can start wrong and end up right by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. But, but you, a lot of times how you start can dictate and determine how you finish. Amen. And, and so that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. And um, I titled this message this morning, How You Discipline Your Start Can Determine the Outcome of Your Finish. How you discipline your start can determine the outcome of your finish. And I just want to say this is don't expect everyone that you start with to be there when you finish. Don't expect that. Not everybody that you see here today is going to be here with you whenever you finish this race. That's just not reality. There's a process of pruning. There's a process that the enemy moves in and he cuts people out of the way. You know, Paul said that about the Judaizers, who so easily cut in on you. You know, you started to run well. You were running well, but what happened? Who did you let in on you? You know, you started in grace. You tried to finish in the law. You know, you fell from grace. You know, there's many aspects of this thing that you can get caught up in. And, and so we're just still just talking about starting. And so I just, I know, I, I believe in, in all of us is, is how you discipline your start can determine the outcome of your finish. Amen. And so I just ask, I, I don't really know how it's going to go. Maybe God will just help us slow down and teach some. And, and um, tonight I'd invite you back at 5 o'clock. I just believe that the Lord has gave me a word out of Luke chapter 5. And many times, um, and many times, you know, we try to start, but Jesus waits for us to finish so that he can start. Amen. Amen. And so I, I just encourage you to come back at, at 5 this afternoon if you can. And I'm just glad that all of you here this morning. I just pray that the word of the Lord would strengthen all of us today in the house. Amen. Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 25 says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life. Also, he cannot be my disciple. You know, Wednesday night we were talking about the soulless realm. And if you look up that word life in the Greek and you study at the root word, it can actually mean the soulless part of your life. It means the soulless realm, the, our mind, will, and emotions. If we don't abandon that, because I can tell you, mind, will, and emotions is the greatest enemy of the spirit of God in us. Amen. Verse 27, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower or build a church, sitteth not down first and count the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it, begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build but was not able to finish. Can I tell you, you have to discipline the beginning of what you start with God. You have to know the reality of that. We have to know the reality before we ever start anything that am I going to stay right with God to bring this thing to an end? Let me tell you, I'm receiving text messages. People are driving by this church. They have heard and they have seen pictures or whatever they have known. Some of them were even here in the beginning when we dug the dirt, but they're not here now. But there are people that are looking and watching. They're waiting to wonder, well, they got the building on the ground now after three years. I wonder how long it's going to take to get the building up. I still don't see a foundation. I see metal everywhere. But I wonder if they're going to have the foundation laid. Then the Lord told me that the most important part, we know this, is the foundation of that building. Brother Chris said it the other day. He had them men out there, and he said, if this foundation is off a little bit, then everything's going to be off. And so listen to me. These next few weeks that they begin to dig the footers and build the foundation of that, we have to know, be in prayer, and intercede for what God is doing. people would love to see us fall flat on our face because we weren't disciplined in the beginning. They would love to drive by and point fingers and mock. Look at them. Boy, they got the metal on the ground, but they can't do anything else. You cannot be disciplined in the beginning and not bring something to its completion. Amen. Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king sitteth not down first and consult whether. He be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he send an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. We have to forsake all. We have to forsake everything. If you think about the disciples, amen, Whenever Jesus come walking by on that seashore, they had to leave what they had known their whole life. They had to leave what was familiar. They knew how to fish. And so where did Jesus call them out of? The fishing boat. They had to leave what was familiar. Who was in the fishing boat with them? His father. He had to be called away from his father, from his family. Amen. And so you have to be willing to leave what's familiar. You have to be willing to leave even family. And listen to this. How did they make their money? By fishing. You have to be willing to leave the finances behind. Amen. You have to be willing to leave all that behind and have complete faith and say, Lord, I'll follow you. They didn't even know who Jesus was. But they recognized the nature that was in him and said, I'm willing to leave all of that to follow him. And church, that's where we must be. Amen. We must be willing to leave everything behind to follow him. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read a few verses here, 24 through 27, and here's what Paul says. He says, know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receive the prize. So run that you may obtain the prize. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight. I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. I myself should become an outcast. Paul is saying, I got to bring my body under subjection to the very thing that I'm telling you to do. He said, I can start this race but not discipline my own body and I can end up an outcast. Do you know that, that we can all do that? You can start right but end up wrong. (laughs) Amen. You can start wrong and end up right. Amen. But I'm talking about discipline our start. How we discipline our start can determine the outcome of our finish. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would lead and guide today. Lord, I thank you for your anointing that I feel. I feel the help of the Holy Ghost. I pray and believe, God, today that you desire to teach your church and your body the reality, Lord, that, Lord, we must discipline our start. And so, God, I just ask you, Lord, today that you would minister mightily. Lord, that you would even help, Lord, in every way possible, Lord. You would help us as a church be strengthened today. I believe today is groundwork, foundational work, God. As we start this race, God, we just ask you to move. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Nobody, listen, the Lord just spoke this to me yesterday he said, he said, if you've started this race, you, every intention within you is to finish. Nobody would start if you didn't have intentions to finish because in order to start... You have to bring your body into discipline. You have to train, amen. You're not just going to get up there. I'm not going to get up there and just say, I'm going to sign up for a 10-mile run if I've not been preparing my body for the 10-mile run. If I've not brought my body unto subjection, amen, to running 10 miles through hot, through cold, or whatever that may be, amen, then I'm not going to dare get up there and say, I'm going to run a 10-mile race today. There's no way I could run a 10-mile race today. I'm telling you, amen, I put on a lot of weight lately. Amen. There's no way I could get up there. Now, I may think in my mind that I want to, but I'm not ready to do that yet. Amen. And so if I'm going to do that, then I've got to bring discipline to my body and put it under subjection every day to prepare me to step to the starting line. Amen. But I can tell you this. If I work and work and work and bring my body under subjection in the cold days, in the hot days, in the raining days, just because it's raining don't mean you take a day off. Just because it's hotter than normal don't mean you take a day off. Just because it's colder than normal don't mean you take a day off. No matter what season it is, if you're preparing to win, then you're going to bring your body under subjection. No matter what season of life that you're walking through, you got to be prepared in season and out of season. And out of season seasons aren't in your favor. Amen. Everything is against you. But even in the middle of that, our God is for us. And that's why he said in and out of season, season, you still got to bring your body under subjection to the things of God and so the season might not line up to the season you're going to run the race in but you don't know what season that you're going to walk in. I'm telling you church we got to bring our bodies under subjection to the will of God not only in season but when it's out of season too. you got to be ready you got to fight and you got to discipline your body because there's coming a day that God is going to say now step to the starting line today's the day I want you to preach today's the day I want you to testify today's the day I want you to sing and if you've not been ready if you've not been disciplined in the prayer closet in the private time if you've not read the word of God how are you gonna know what to relay when God says start hallelujah we gotta start we gotta start amen we gotta start and it don't matter the conditions you have to bring your body under discipline in all conditions Amen. The Lord has dealt with me and Ryan's been on me. I don't say this arrogantly whatsoever. But the Lord told me back during COVID when church was shut down, he said, you'll write a book. He gave me the name of it, A Fresh Perspective of the Father's House. And he said, perspective is the way that you see something. Not everybody sees the Father's house as one of love and grace. (laughs) A lot of people are afraid to come back to the Father's house because the elder brother got to them so many times. And so the Lord began to deal with me about a fresh perspective. And Ryan just confronted me the other day. He turned what I've been saying to you on me. He said, the Lord told me to tell you, if you don't start that book before 2021, it'll be too late. Well, I just thought it was okay to tell y'all to start something. Amen. God has friends in your life that'll turn it around on you. And so it just stuck me the other day. And I said, Lord, you're right. Well, I didn't argue with you, did I? I said, you're right. So I just began to put it back before the Lord. Just in my mind, God, and I'm telling y'all, God is my witness. Three nights ago, the Lord downloaded 10 chapters. Just boom. I'm sitting there minding my own business. And the Lord just gave me all 10 chapters. And I started looking up what 10 means. He said, that is your 10th. <laughs> he said, that is your tithe. Amen. I'd like to just share it with you for a minute. Y'all mind if I do? I don't even know. I, I, didn't, I didn't have this intention whatsoever. Amen. I, I didn't have this intention at all. Ten chapters, the first thing God said, he said the people in, the, in, in that chapter, the father, the son, the citizen, the harlots, and the older brother. He said, you'll address all of them. <laughs> The second chapter would be pride. Give me my part. Pride comes before a fall. The third part would be pain. The pain of the son and the pain of the father. You see, I couldn't have written that on the pain of the father until what we've been walking through recently. He said, you're going to know both sides of the father's house. (laughs) I've been the prodigal, and I've came home, but now i got a son that I know God's bringing home. (laughs) Amen. The fourth thing, he said, the pig pen, everybody's is different. Mine was two flat tires and 14 days underneath a truck. What was yours? We all got a pig pen where we had to end, that God's still there and still speaks to us. The fifth thing is the power to save and the power of the Holy Ghost to still speak. The third person of the Trinity was there speaking. The Holy Ghost speaks in pig slop. (laughs) I said, the Holy Ghost still speaks to us in pig slop. I know he was talking. There ain't no way that man knew to get, right, get up and get home. Amen? Unless the Holy Ghost was there. The presence of the Father had to be there. John 6, says no man can come to him. Amen? Unless the Father is there to draw him. Amen? The sixth chapter would be preparation. There's preparation of the robe, the ring, the sandals, and the calf that you don't even know that's taking place. Amen? Listen to this. And the seventh thing is the pardon of sin. When that boy came home, the father ran to him. Y'all have heard me teach on the kazaza ceremony. The pot did not shatter, but there was a pardon of sin. The eighth chapter would be the pantry or the prayer closet where the feed was, where the robe was, where the shoes were, and where the ring was. (laughs) Amen. Our father's got things in the pantry that we don't even know about. Y'all ever been to grandmama's house and she said you knew right where to go? You knew to go to the pantry. There was something waiting on you. Amen. When the prodigal got home, amen. That father had things in the pantry. He was just waiting on the son to get there. You know that grandparent, they can't wait till them grandbabies come because there's things they put up in the pantry they bought just for them. Amen. Did you do that, Benny? Amen. You do that, Mati? There's y'all know what I'm talking about. There's things in that pantry. Amen. Mom and daddy don't give. Amen but a heavenly father does amen amen I just know there was a special feed in that pantry every other calf didn't get that feed that one got amen hallelujah no eye has seen nor ear heard listen the ninth thing would be that there's a party going on how many of y'all know amen it says that there's rejoicing and dancing in the house amen I'm talking about a holy ghost party amen I said I'm talking about a holy ghost party ain't no party like a holy ghost party and the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Amen. I said the Holy Ghost party don't stop. I don't care who tries to stop it. Amen. I said we can party in the Father's house. It don't look like what we used to do. Amen. It don't sound like what we used to do. No. There's life in the house. But when the prodigals come home and begin to party and rejoice, it makes the last chapter mad. Talk about the Pharisee. If anything would try to stop the last nine, it would be the older brother. But guess what? The Pharisees can't stop. Jesus said it is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That Pharisee spirit, if there's anything, trying to stop what God's doing. Did Joe really say that? Did y'all really say that in the last days he'd pour out my spirit? Amen. The ending shall be greater than the beginning. Amen. So y'all pray for me. I don't know. That just came the other night just like boom. So thank you, Ryan. If you don't have friends that will tell you the truth and turn your preaching around on you, <laughs> amen. I don't want to just be there because you can become an outcast. We make vows and promises to God, and we don't uphold nothing. Amen. And so we got to have people in our life that can say what we can't, what we can't see. Amen. We have to know that. Amen. <clears throat> and so how you discipline your start can determine the outcome of your finish. The first thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is you can have diversity without division. You can have diversity and not have division. If you start this race, there's going to be a lot of different people that don't look like you that you're starting with. Amen. If you're on the start line, some people's going to be white, some's going to be black, some's going to be brown. Not everybody's probably going to speak the same way that you speak. And let me tell you this, not everybody that steps up to the starting line is going to bring their body under discipline. A lot of them didn't train the same way that you trained to get here. (laughs) Amen. Everybody's different. Amen. Can you be different and not be divided? (laughs) I said, can we be different and not be divided? You know what? I get sick and tired. You know, we've lost people in this church because we let black people up on this platform. Do you know that we have lost people in this church and said they would never give to us because we went on mission trips to Africa and to Haiti and to places like that because we went to people that they didn't agree with? Because we didn't do what they thought we should do. They thought there was enough people in the backyard of (laughs) Brittany. Amen. But the last time I checked on the people that left, they ain't ministered to nobody ever in their life. Amen. They wasn't worried about the people in Brittany. they surely not worried about people in Kenya. Amen. And so we we label and we dictate and determine where we're going to give to and where we're not. Amen. You can be diverse in your life and even in your gifts and not be divided if it's under the authority and the anointing of God. I said everybody that you start with is not going to look like you. Amen. They're not going to be do, they're not going to discipline their life like you. They're going to be different. But can we be okay with that? You may not preach like I preach, but you still relay the same message. Amen. The diversity of your, of your ministry may be different than mine, but is the outcome the same? And we have to be disciplined to know this. Listen to me. God wants this to be, be known in our church. This is the foundation. This is foundational stuff. I'm different than David. David's different than me. I'm different than Ryan. Ryan's different than me. But can we be okay with our differences and not be divided over those things? Authority and power comes when we can do this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I get sick of division. When God brought me here, this church was a Baptist church. And there's a few things that God told me. He said, when you come here, he said, I'm going to, number one, break down denominational barriers. <laughs> I'm going to break down denominational barriers. I was Holy Ghost filled. I begged them three times. I'm not supposed to be the pastor. It's a Baptist church. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I don't need to come here. Amen. But it was the will of God for us to come. And so that was the design of God. And so I believe that he chose that to break down denominational barriers. Guess what happened? We thought we were going to bring a free medical clinic here. But what did God choose to do? I'm going to break down denominational barriers. He said, you're not going to move the free medical clinic here. He said, but what I am going to do, he said, I'm going to open up blinded eyes, (laughs) amen, and that that you thought was against you, I'm fixing to put people from this church right in the middle of a free medical clinic at First Baptist Church. Can I tell you, that breaks down denominational barriers, amen. Can I tell you that Sister Leah is going to head that up, amen. Can I tell you that we've been invited, amen, to be a part of this, to be influential in this, and Sister Leah is going to be an overseer of this, a ministry of First Baptist this church <laughs> the very place that i was <laughs> The very place that we left from. Can I tell you, sometimes you just have to wait things out. Can I tell you, the very place that I was told that I would never make it, that I'd fall flat on my face because I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, these two churches are about to work together. Can I tell you, I thank God today that there's no envy in my heart, there's no bitterness in my heart about that. But I stand before you today and I rejoice in the Lord. There can be diversities of denominations. There can be diversities of beliefs but the end result is we all believe in Jesus Christ the only thing that divides us and them is the baptism in the Holy Ghost and can I tell you I thank God for it today but we're not there to put the baptism on them we're there to lift up the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth he is the only name he is the only way hallelujah this excites me you can have diversity without division Listen to this, for as the body is one, this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, for as the body is one, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today, y'all okay with that? And hath many members, and all the members of that one body, has many members, that's diversity, amen? Let me just tell you what diversity is, a different group of people meeting in the same place, that's diversity. Diversity. That's what diversity means. A different group of people, different race, different ethnics, amen, different colors, meeting in the same place. That's diversity. You can have a diversity of gifts. There's nine gifts. Is everybody going to carry the same gift? No. Amen. Can you walk in that gift at times? Can a person walk in a diversity of gifts as apostolic, as prophetic, as a pastor, as a teacher, as an evangelist? You bet they can. Maybe all at one time. Amen. There's diversities of gifts. Amen. I thank God that you can walk. But who's the spirit of that? The same spirit. Amen. So just stay with me a minute. Being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, hallelujah. Whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Do you see how this thing talks about diversities, Jew or Gentile, amen, bond or free, but he brings it back to one, amen. Can you know that you can have this without division, amen, for the body is not one member but many, what does that sound like, diversity, diversity, amen, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, amen, And I'm not of the the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, that would look pretty funny, wouldn't it? (laughs) Amen. You could see a lot, but you couldn't hear nothing. You could see a lot, but you couldn't talk about what you saw. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Amen. I said you could see a lot, but you couldn't talk about what you saw. Amen. Amen because I'm not the I I'm sorry verse 17 if the whole body were an I where would the hearing if the whole were hearing where would the smelling but now hath God set the members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him now let me tell you something you don't get to choose where you go to church just cause you move churches don't mean that <laughs> <laughs> i said he sets people Where they're supposed to be. Now people can make up their mind and do what they want to do. There's been a lot of times I wanted to work my way right up out of here, and it made sense to me, Brother Lamont. (laughs) Amen. But it didn't make sense to him. He said, I put you there. Amen. I put you there. I look at I look at Brother Lamont. You were where you were called to be in North Carolina for that year. But now God's moved you out of there. It was the will of God. It was a lot of diversity. There was no division. Amen. You can be diverse and not divided. Brother Rafe and Sister Carly, the same thing. Amen. They went to Wetumpka, the will of God, but now they're back. They didn't want to come back here. You ask Rafe, no, we're not going back there. You know, they don't want to come back here, but God did, and it wasn't up to them. He's laughing now. He knows it's the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Me and David said, we're not going to go to them and tell them, come on back. They're going to have to come to us. Amen. We have to know it's the will of God. Amen. I'm going to read that again. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. You don't get to choose if you're a pastor or not. That's God's choosing. Amen. You don't get to choose if you sing or if you teach. That's up to God. We didn't choose him to begin with. He chose us. Amen. We don't get to choose our place or position. We don't get to choose what church we want to go to. Now you can and be right out of the will of God. Amen. I'm telling you, right out of the will of God. But God puts people where it pleases Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now, are they many members, yet one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble and are necessary. Hallelujah. You may think that you don't have a part because you're feeble or weak. I'm telling you, you're just as necessary as anybody. Don't let the devil lie to you. you got to have every part working together. Amen. Every part. Brother Johnny, your part matters, brother. Amen. You know what? I got a text the other day that you went and prayed for Sister Amanda. (laughs) And she said God touched her. What a miracle. How many of y'all heard that? Did it just touch you and move you? Amen. What a miracle. Amen. What a miracle. That's God. Amen. You matter, brother. Amen. These kids matter. How many of y'all were ministered by these little four-year-olds a while ago? They matter. Amen. They matter. Praise God. Now, verse 22, much more. Those members of the body, just read that, verse 23. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable upon those, we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Aren't you glad to be tempered together? Sometimes you try to break that tempering, don't we? Anybody? Sometimes tempers try to break the tempering. Amen. That ever happened? But I'm telling you, God is faithful to see us through it all. Amen. He's faithful. Amen. Listen to this, verse 25. Here's what I want to say. We've read about diversity up to this point right now. We've read about a lot of diversity, the hand, the foot, the mouth, amen, all kind of things. And they can't say, I don't need you, because they need each other. Listen to this. For our comely parts, together we have more abundant honor to the part which lack, verse 25, that there should be no division, schism is division, in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. I don't care what you think, and I don't care what your personality is. You should care about other people. (laughs) You may not like the way they look. You might not like what they did to you. It's easy to love somebody that loves you easily back. (laughs) That's not love. Can you love who's betrayed you? Can we love who's abandoned us? Can we do those things? Can we love who is hard to love? I don't want to sit by them, no. They don't talk to me anyway. No, nope. They know what they did to me. I'm talking to me now. Amen. There's some pain going on in my heart right now. I shared that with Sister Stacy. There's some pain in my life. I don't want to love. You don't either. Amen. We don't, we don't just love. Amen. We're wicked people. Come on. Our flesh don't really love anybody. I mean, we don't like nobody, much less love somebody. Amen. Amen. But we have to. It's not up to us. So what do we do? Say, God, give us more grace. Give us more grace. Amen. God, just give us more grace to teach us to love. Amen. I can tell you the first thing I want to do is when I get hurt, I want to pull back. I want to pull back. You know, I've been studying some and just I've been wanting to share this, you know. And I think about this. I, I think I shared some of this the other day. But the man with the withered hand, his right hand. And if you study that out, the word withered actually means to be pulled back or to draw back because it was hurt or wounded. And that's really a picture of a lot of the church. The hurt the church is withdrawn because they've been hurt. If you slam your hand in the door, you're going to pull it back. And you're going to be very careful that you don't put that back where it was. And there's a lot of people in the church that hadn't put their hands back to the place that it was before because that hand got slammed and it hurt. And so the first thing you do is pull back. And so now we got a lot of people with left hand, but the right hand's withered. If you look up that word withered, John Wayne, it can also mean dried up. It means dried up. And when you get hurt and you get withered and you pull your hand back, you start drying up. The only answer for that is living water. Because the hand, it actually means shriveled up. And so many of us in our Christian walk, we've become dried up and shriveled up. And right hand means honor. Right hand means ministry. Right hand means authority. There's something different. Luke is the only one in the Gospels that said it was his right hand. Every other Gospel just said a man with a withered hand. But I thank God that Luke pointed it out that it was his right hand. Because I can tell you in the church, we've been hurt, we've been wounded, and the church has pulled back and we've withdrawn. And God's saying in the midst of religious people, stretch forth thine hand. And I'm telling you, it's only a working of God. And the Bible says the right hand was made whole just like the left. You never knew that there was even anything that ever happened to that hand whenever Jesus got done. And I'm telling you, I believe that's the will of God for the church in this hour to bring healing, to to bring life. Amen. To that that was dried up, to bring hope. Amen. And so if you're withdrawn today, it's time to stretch forth that hand. Amen. There's no division in the body, whether one member suffers all the members suffer with it or one member be honored all the members rejoice with it now you are the body of Christ and members in particular or individual we're all individuals and you're different don't try to compare yourself to somebody else I shared this the other night the problem in the church is is the man that received one talent compared himself to the one that received five and two and if you do that surely you'll bury yours you've got no other option If you look to somebody that's got more than you, what are you going to do? You're going to run and hide and withdraw. You're going to bury what God gave you. But if you would invest the one, the next time you're going to have two. And if you'll invest two the next time, you're going to have four. And there's no telling when the one that's got five is going to get tired of investing. It won't be long that the one that had one, if you'll invest properly into the kingdom of God and not, and not bury it, then I promise you this, that you'll have more than those that had five in the beginning. Your investment matters to the kingdom of God. Just start with what God gave you to start with. Don't compare yourself to others. Amen. David said, I can't wear this armor. I've not proved it. This isn't me. Don't compare yourself. Amen. Be who God made you to be. Quit comparing. Amen. You just have to invest and then wait. Then wait. Amen. I said there can be diversity without division. Now you are the body of Christ and members, individual, and church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, Miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. Listen to this, verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And then it leads us right into chapter 13, the love chapter. Can I tell you, love is the greatest. And can I tell you, you can have diversities but still love. And if you love, there will not be room for division. Amen. And we have to love no matter what color somebody is. No matter where they're from, no matter what they say, I'm telling you, there, there's, there's a love language that is worldwide, and it is love. Amen. I don't have to know somebody what they're saying. I know they love me by their actions. Amen. I'm telling you, take a trip somewhere. You may not know anything that they say, but I'm telling you, you know that they'll love you by their actions in your life. I'm telling you, age has nothing to do with it. We took Lakin, he was five, to Dominican Republic, and he just developed this strong relationship with this little boy. Couldn't speak a lick of English whatsoever. They were five years old, but when we left, they both began to weep. Why? Because they fell in love with one another. Age has nothing to do. You know if somebody loves or not. I shared this in the jail the other day. When when Adolf Hitler was was doing what he was doing and trying to make the army and Everybody marching how they marched. You know, you know one of his tactics was is to create a, a bigger army. And so what he did was he made sure that all of these Russian women, all of his women would get pregnant. And so they made this big old room, and they had all these women to give birth at the same time. And they took these babies, and they just put them, they just put them in beds. And it's what they did. They just put them in there, but there was no mother to love them. Do you know what happened to all these babies? They died. Why did they die? Because there was a lack of love. There was a lack of love. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people being birthed into the kingdom that don't know what love is. We birth people into the kingdom to get them on our side like Hitler was trying to do with these babies to benefit themselves. And if that is the agenda, then that's demonic. (laughs) Because anything that's in operation without love has to be of the evil one. Because our God is love. And everything that He births is going to cause love and create love and generate love. And it's going to take love in order for that child to live. Amen. That's what it's going to take. Anything that's not birthed in love and love keeps it is demonic. Amen. It's demonic. And so we have to know that. Amen. I said you can be diverse but not be divided. We don't have to be divided. I love that these brothers come. Amen. You might not have come where these men from Project Hope come from. Amen. But I can tell you, I thank God that they're here. I thank God that some of you didn't have to walk through what I went through. Amen. I thank God, Brother Scott. You know, I, I, I rejoice in the faithfulness of God in your life. You didn't go through what I went through, but I didn't go what you're going through right now either. But guess what? The purpose in all of that is to bring glory to God. Amen. Through sickness, through addictions, through health, through wealth, through anything. If God can only use you to be a channel and a conduit to get His glory through, then I promise you that's what He'll do. I've just begged God. I pray to God. Let this house be a place, God, where people from all around the world, diversities of people. I don't want to be known as that church that only has people that used to do drugs, that were old whoremongers, that were all sex addicts, porn addicts. I don't want to be known as just that. I thank God that God is sending people to this house that's never swayed, that got bought by the blood when they were 5 or 10 or 30 or 50. They never had to give in to that because that's the testimony of Christ. Jesus our Lord God make us a church of diversities without divisions hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. does that make sense to anybody amen. hallelujah God make us that God make us that hallelujah we can have diversity without being divided amen Love is the greatest Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 16 Says from whom the whole body Fitly joined together And compacted by that Which every joint supplies According to the effectual working In the measure of every part Makes increase of the body Unto the edifying of itself In what love What is he saying Everybody has to do their part if I come to church for the last three weeks, Brother Scott and Sister Carrie wrote y'all this morning, wrote my tea, We've missed y'all. You know it? There's been a part of us that's gone. Why? Because you two bring increase to this church. <laughs> and when you're not here, then there's a measure of Christ missing from this house. Because God placed you here. And we know that. And so when you're not here, then there's a measure of Christ that's not here. Because you bring Christ with you. And so I'm telling you, when somebody is not here, the effects of that. Brother Jason, you're the same way. I know you work a lot. But when you're not here, it's noticed because you bring a measure of Christ. And you bring strength to me when I preach. You bring strength to this body when you're here. And so there's a measure of Christ within you. Amen. Because you bring increase to this body. Amen. That's what God does. And when somebody is not here, then there's a lack that is missing. Amen. And so you know that it's the working of God. And so whenever somebody is out, don't just think, well, I, I'm just they they didn't call and check on me. They didn't do this. You better know the reason what's fighting you is not the pastor. <laughs> you better know the intention and the purpose behind that is demonic. And hell don't want you to bring your increase to the house of God. Don't After today's message, you can't go to your little house and start feeling sorry and say, well, they don't want me there. I'm telling you, you are wanted here. And let me tell you, you are needed here because your increase matters, amen, to this house. Now, let me tell you something. Here's what we got to do. We got to get up and we got to get about it. We got to know. Somebody just say, my life matters. Uh, My increase matters. Uh, I got a measure of Christ on the inside of me that hell can't have. And when you're not here, then hell gets it. Oh, but when you're here... Christ gets the glory of that life. Somebody needs to say to the devil, "As a measure of Christ in me, the GFCC needs." I'm bringing my increase to the storehouse of my God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We work together. Your joint brings supply. Your joint brings increase. Amen. It's going to be pretty hard to, to walk if the joints in my knee go out. Amen. His nerves have been attacked. You know, don't you, Brother Scott? Amen. This body's here, but there's some things aren't firing right now. Amen. So he needs some help. Amen. Sometimes you just got to have a little help, don't you? Sometimes you just need the body. Amen. Can you just be this walker for somebody? right now I'm just limping a little bit. I just need somebody to get me. When I went to visit Brother Scott the other night he just said I can't wait to get to that halter. Now he may have had to have some help today, but can we just go relying on something else or somebody else? I turned around and I looked and I said, my God I heard Brother Scott I said. It may have took him a little bit longer than it did two months ago. It may have took him a little bit longer than that night three years ago when he turned that corner in the Holy Ghost field. <laughs> but can I tell you, whenever he was laying there, what you begin to think about? <laughs> he began to think about that day that he turned that corner right there, and the Holy Ghost of God filled him. The Holy Ghost and the fire of God hit him, Amen. But where did God bring him back to today? You see, he could have laid at home today and made excuses. Well, I don't want to walk in there with that walker. on. Because that's the place and position that God got to get a lot of us. You see, the problem is a lot of us come to the altar, but when we come, we come in pride and we come full of pride. And so there's times that God humbles us and God takes things away from us. I'm telling you today, church, we need the supply. We need your increase. I'm telling you, sometimes you got to come. If you got to have a little help, that's all right. Just keep coming to God, keep coming to the altar, keep working, keep walking. I'm telling you, church, faith. Keeps walking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's alright. Amen. It's all right. I'm telling you this one thing, and the Holy Ghost showed me this and that in that story of the man with the withered hand. God, Jesus, can take a man with a disability and use him much greater than a man with an ability. <laughs> I said he can use a man with a disability a lot more than he can use a man with ability. Amen. There was a lot of religious folks around there that had a lot of ability in the word. But there was one man with a withered hand they all wanted to see die and keep the withered hand. But who did Jesus use? He said, stand up in the midst of all these people with abilities and I'm fixing to use a man with a disability to talk to all of them. Hallelujah. When you walked in today on that walker, how many of y'all felt something shift? It used to man. <laughs> Amen. Just come how you are. Because when you get here, whoo, Jesus is here. Amen. Hallelujah. I said he's here. Amen. Well, second point. I only got three today. <laughs> I'm preaching a series in a series this morning. I'll hurry up on these two maybe. It's only 12.05. I'm early. First Kings chapter 19. Some things I'm just reiterating from Wednesday night to Sunday morning. Hope you all are okay with that. Because sometimes we need to be reminded. First Kings 19 verse 19. So he departed thence, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him and with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah, and he said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother, then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again for what I have done to thee, for what have I done to thee. And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen, and he slew them, and he boiled their flesh. With the instruments of the oxen that he gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. The second thing that I want to talk to you about is how you discipline your start can determine the outcome of your finish. Elisha was minding his own business. Elisha had just after three and a half years was walking in the favor of God because it began to rain and the ground had not been that soft in three and a half years. They were about to see the greatest increase in the field that they had seen in three and a half years. Because it was finally raining after three year drought. And so Elisha's minding his own business but a mantle comes. This is the beginning of Elisha's ministry. I could just see Elisha probably had his back turned and Elijah just came and threw that mantle upon his back. He said, what is this? But he knew that the moment that the mantle hit him, there was instantly anointing. There was instantly a beginning. And Elisha wasn't asking for it. He wasn't looking for it. But the moment the mantle touched him, he knew it was there. He knew there was an immediate change, and he said, it's time to start. Can I tell you, you didn't ask for the mantle that God placed upon you. A lot of you weren't looking for it. You weren't asking for it. But there was a day that you were minding your own business and some of you probably in the fields of joy, the field of happiness and the field of life and probably seeing more increase than you ever saw. And a mantle came upon you that was new. And you said, what is this? And you said, in this moment, immediately, I knew that I have to leave everything behind. But there's a war going on on the inside of me that I don't understand. There's a war. I got family here. I got the field in front of me. I got my father that I've worked for him all of my life. I've got 12 yoke of oxen, so everything was took care of. There was no issues financially. As a matter of fact, if he had 12 yoke of oxen, they were very wealthy in that time. And so there was nothing wrong. Everything in life was great until the mantle came. And the moment that the mantle came, Elisha immediately said, how am I going to discipline my start? There had to be a war because whenever he went back, he said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then will I come follow you. So there had to be a tug of war going on. Who wouldn't there be if God told you that, I don't know when you're going to see mom and daddy again, but go. There would be a war going on in this call. There's a battle. There's a war of the flesh and the spirit many of our lives today. And so it's what I want to tell you is this is in the beginning, what God says to destroy, you better destroy. because what you don't destroy at the start will destroy you at the finish. I shared this Wednesday night, and if you read this in First Samuel chapter 15, you will see where God told through the prophet Samuel to Saul, he said, this man was anointed of God. He was chosen of God. The people wanted him, so God anointed him. And so now God is telling Saul in 1 Samuel 15, he said, utterly destroy all the Amalekites, the babies, the sucklings, the, the old ones, the young ones, the sheep, the camels, the donkeys. He said, utterly destroy everything. But guess what he did? He kept the good things back. Because God knew what nature was in them babies. God knew what was in them sheep. And so whenever the prophet shows back up to Saul, then he hears sheep in the background. And whenever he asks Saul, he said, why didn't you obey me? He said, well, I did obey you. And he said, well, what is the bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ear? And I made this statement Wednesday night, partial obedience is complete disobedience. And we have to know that. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. There is no middle ground in that. If God said utterly destroy something, then we must utterly destroy all of it. And so if you flip back several pages and if you see the ending of Saul's life, his armor bearer is dead, his son Jonathan is dead, and Saul falls upon his sword, but he's not yet dead. And can I tell you, there comes a man and he stands over him and Saul looks up to this man and he sees his son dead on one side, his armor bearer dead on the other side and he's got a sword sticking through him but Saul's not dead yet and he looks up and he sees a man. You know what Saul asked this man? He said, who are you? The man didn't say anything to give him a name. He could have said, I'm Chris Harrison. I come to visit you, Saul. But you know what he said? I am an Amalekite. I believe he wanted to remind Saul in his death that what you didn't utterly destroy at the start is now about to utterly destroy you in the finish. And I'm telling you this morning, church, the way that you discipline the start will determine the way that we finish. And what you let live, listen to me minute, Project Hope, what you don't deal with in this program, the things that you want to hold back and what you don't want to destroy Will destroy you in the end. I'm telling you, it will destroy you, church. I'm telling you what God puts His finger on, and it may not make sense, and it could be good thing. He said, "Well, I'm going to keep a Akag back. He's not going to hurt anything. I'm going to keep the good sheep back." Guess what? This. Listen to this. Listen to how corrupt his mind was. Why did whenever the prophet came? Why did he say? He said, "I have obeyed you," but he had it. There were still sheep living. There were still men living. There were still sucklings living. Not everything was destroyed. And so when the prophet confronted him, he said, well, I was going to use these sheep as, a, as, as, a, as an offering to the Lord, as a sacrifice. How many of us make bargains with God? Well, God, that really don't make sense that you want that from me. I can do more for you and with you if, if I don't give that up right now. But the Lord knows that's the very thing that's hindering you from doing more for me. And so we, I don't know if we take the scripture literal, but I do. And we must. Everything is in this word for a purpose. He could have said, whoever his name was, my name is David. My name is John Doe. But he said, I am an Amalekite. The very thing God told him to utterly destroy has now destroyed him. So listen to this. But on the other side, Elisha is running back and he said, go back for what have I done to thee? Verse 18, he returned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen. Now listen to this. I don't read right here where Elijah ever told him to burn the plow and slaughter the ox. But I believe Elisha knew himself enough to know if I don't do this, then I know that the ending of my life will not be good. He knew nothing about a double portion in this moment, Sister Tammy, but God did. And God was trying his heart. In the very beginning of his ministry, how he's going to start, he returned back and he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them and he boiled their flesh with an instrument of the oxen and he gave it unto the people. Let me tell you something. The testimony that God has gave you is not just for you. When God asks you to burn the plow and slaughter the ox, then you got to begin to feed people with the very thing that you crucified in your life. Amen. You've not been through the things that you've been through in your life not to feed somebody with. If you're not feeding people where God brought you from, then it's time to wake up and start a fire and put something on the fire, baby, and begin to cook it and begin to feed somebody. Hallelujah. 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 We must. And so Elisha knew himself and he said, I must discipline the start of my ministry and I must discipline it right. So I'm going to slaughter the ox. I'm going to burn the plow. And I'm going to feed people with it. Can I tell you, he was prophesying his own life. (laughs) He said, I'm feeding them. He said, I'm about to feed a lot of other people. Amen. I'm fixing to take care of people. Then he arose and he went after Elijah and he ministered unto him. Can I tell you that Elijah is a type of Christ that our greatest ministry is not looking at the mantle, for the mantle, or a double portion, but just to minister to Christ? <laughs> he wasn't looking for somebody to minister to. He said, let me minister to the man that called me. Amen. Can I tell you our greatest ministry is to Christ? If you say you're not going to an altar, you're not going to altar for the pastor. You're going to the altar to minister to Christ. Amen. Our first ministry is to Jesus. Our first ministry is at his feet, washing his feet, loving Jesus. That is our first ministry. Amen. It's to minister unto him. And so thank God that Elisha disciplined his start because there would come a day that he would receive a double portion. I'm telling you, church, there's a double portion anointing. Sister Tessa, she came to me Wednesday night. She said, I saw you just walk through two doors, not just one. And she said, the two doors meant a double portion. Sister, I needed that. I received confirmation after confirmation after confirmation, but I know hell don't like it. I'm telling you, hell don't like it. Amen. And lastly, Brother Ray, for you playing? Seth? Y'all get Brother Seth? Lastly, I want to close with this. I love this story. There's a cost to discipleship, it takes discipline. But greater than discipline, there has to be a greater desire. If your desire for the things of God is not great, then when discipline comes, you'll reject it and rebel against it. Your desire for the things of God have to be 110%. If your desire for God is not pure, then you'll get bitter when discipline comes. And if your desire for God isn't greater than when God says no, then you'll stop. Because there's times that God says no, but your desire has to be greater than His no. Our desire has to be great. Because discipline will come because He disciplines those that He loves. No discipline is pleasant at the moment. And sometimes you just go through trials in life and seasons that you're like God. Is it ever going to let up? Anybody ever been there? Is this season ever going to let up? I just feel pressure. I feel pain. I feel hurt. I feel abandoned. I feel betrayed. I'm bitter. All these things. You know, you can be there. David was there and he kept going to the Lord. You You can be there, but keep going to God and say, God, here's where I am. Don't be afraid to confess those things to God. Don't be afraid to write those things down on paper. Say, God, here's where I'm at. This is reality. And, Lord, if your grace don't come and heal me and change me and save me and walk with me, then I'm not going to make it through there. Don't play games like you're somebody with God. That's not reality. We're not strong. You know what happens when we try to be strong? I looked up Uzzah's name one time when Uzzah stretched his hand out to touch the presence of God. What happened to Uzzah? He died. Uzzah's name means strength, strong. When you try to be strong through trials and try to handle the presence of God for your benefit, you'll die. None of us can make it through trials when we try to be strong. But it's in weakness. That God's power was made perfect in our life. Many of y'all prayed for me yesterday. I, I was just, it was just crazy how it all happened. But I've never in my life seen what I walked into yesterday. Never. Never in my life. I was afraid. I was afraid. But I felt God wanted me to go pray for this boy. He's 20 years old. And he did some kind of drugs. And he's not right. He's tied down to a bed He can't move His mind Is totally altered And all I knew to do Was walk in that room Freezing cold Sickness everywhere In that ER And This man's tied down With nothing but covers over him Tied down to a bed Hollering and He's been this way since last Sunday Screaming I said, I come to talk to you about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus rose from Nazareth. In a such a demonic voice. He said, Come shake my hand. And I said, No, no, no. No, no, no. And I just began to plead the blood and pray in the Holy Ghost. And his tongue started slithering like a snake, spitting. All I knew to do was just keep praying in the Holy Ghost over him and over him and over him. He hadn't eaten since last Sunday. Hadn't drank. I felt like I failed. I was so weak. It felt like my prayers mattered. I was probably only in there five minutes. The security guard wasn't even nurses in there. They had three security guards around him with badges. They came and knocked on the door. They said, his mom and dad's here. And we want them to try to feed him. I felt defeated. His dad called me about 4.30 yesterday, and he said, we got good news. We're still here. He said, and he ate. And he drank. <laughs> Sounded like a man Elijah, depressed. What was at his head? Bread and water. Where was this man afflicted in? In his mind. And he's bread and water. And I received this this morning. He got up this morning and went to the bathroom with the nurse, and he sat on the corner of the room quietly, on the bed of the room quietly before he went back to sleep. He hasn't had any meds since yesterday. I feel this is a good thing, and he's slowly coming out of it. I love you, and I chalk this up to nothing short than prayer. And a sister lives in South Florida. She wrote me this. Good morning. This is so-and-so, so-and-so sister. He had a few outbursts yesterday after you left. He did cry out to God with real tears going down his face. The rest of the night went pretty well. He slept most unmedicated. He got up this morning. The nurse took him to the restroom. Then he went back in his room and he sat in the corner quietly before going back to sleep. I do believe this is a step in the right direction and it's nothing short of God's work. I still cannot thank you enough and I've added you and your family into my prayers as well. I'm telling you church, we live in wicked times. Wicked times. Wicked. I don't even know if we can fathom if I could have took everybody under the sound of my voice what I walked through yesterday. I was afraid. We've seen some demons. (laughs) Me and Brother Lamont laid with one in Oliah for an hour and a half. There wasn't a clean place on us. But I'm telling you what I walked through yesterday. Them nurses frantic on that floor in that ER Half of them sick. They're wore out. They're weary because they're all leaving because of COVID. They're homesick because of COVID. Messed up people in there. They can't even treat them because COVID has them. There was just fear in that room. Security guards, badges, everywhere. And I thought about the end times. People were frantic. They said, you know this guy? I said, I've never met him. I don't know him. I've never met him before. You think you can feed him? I said, I don't think. I don't know him. His mom and dad's on the way. And I was able to pray with that mom and that dad. They're at a loss for words. What do we do? What do we do? I thought of you. I did. And I used your life, Danielle. I thought of you. I used your life. Yesterday to minister. As I'm saying this right now. Tell you how mad hell is. A message just comes up on my phone. They had to restrain him again. Pray. Tell me it ain't spiritual. Just now. Says Now. Jesus, I just pray that you would come right now and intervene in this life in his mind. Give bread, give water to a thirsty soul. Clear his mind, Lord. Clear his mind right now, God. Lord, you're the only way to bring healing and deliverance, God. Oh, God, to those nurses, to those that are around him, Lord. Jesus, you're the only way, God. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, sister. If you're watching, keep praying with us. She just wrote back. She said, I'm praying with y'all now. Y'all just intercede for a minute, church. Just intercede. His name is Alan. Just call Alan out. His name is Alan. He's 20 years old. He's young. Pray for his mom and dad and his sisters. Jesus, such wicked world. This world is wicked. Your desire has to be greater than even God's know. I encourage you to read all of Genesis 24 when you can, but there's a story of a woman named Rebecca. Rebecca. Abraham sent a servant, Eliezer. His name means the help from God. He's a type of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost always knows where to go. And I just pray that right now that Eliezer, the Holy Ghost, the type of the Holy Ghost would go in that hospital room. But when the servant got there, he said, give me a drink of water. Well, it was due her to give him a drink of water. That was nice of her to do. But he told God, he said, I'm looking for a man for Abraham's son. And if he's the right son, then he'll do more than give me a drink. The desire in her heart will be greater. And she'll say, let me feed your camels also. A camel can drink 30 gallons of water. They'd been on a long journey. They were very thirsty. And the Bible says, she said, I'll give your camels drink too until they are finished. See, the desire in her start was greater than what she would receive when she finished. She disciplined her start. She probably went back and forth, up and down. The wells in Israel are downward. You have to go down a spiral staircase and get water. and She would run down and she would run back up, run down and run back up, probably five gallons at a time on her shoulder. And she would have to bring it down and dump it. And so today God's asking you, is your desire greater than God's no? Are you willing to feed his camels also? Are you willing to give water to his camels also? Are you willing to go over and above what's required of you? Are you willing to intercede? Are you willing to go over and above for people, God's people? Are you willing to go over and above for the devil's people? Because Jesus wants to save them. Are you willing to go up, down, and travel for four hours? You don't know that Isaac's coming. You know nothing about Isaac. You just know that my desire to make sure these camels have enough water is in me. But I'm telling you, there was a promise that was coming. I'm telling you, there's a promise coming for you too. There's a promise. Discipline the desires of your heart, discipline the start. Can we find somewhere to pray in these altars this morning? I want to ask you just to intercede for this family. There's some more families. And this isn't just about them and him. It is. But this is about us. When people are faced with these things, the demonic things, guess where they turn? They turn to you as a church. There's some of us that are fighting the same warfare in our mind that this young man is. Same warfare. If that's you, I want you to come and just stand in this altar right here. You're fighting warfare in your mind. I want you just to come. Be bold and just come. and Say, I need bread and water in my mind. Depression. Oppression. Brother Larry, the Lord dealt with him to bring change this morning. We're trusting that all these chains there's words written on them, are going to be broke today. Come on, church, intercede. Let's press in.